And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. The year is 1987, and NASA launches the last of America's deep space probes. And that was the beginning of one of the recent versions of a story that has been with us since 1928, I believe. Welcome, everyone. We are live from the bunker. Jason Hunt here with you. And today, we are going to be talking about the return of Buck Rogers. And it is a long time coming. It has been in the works for, you know, some, 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 some years since the 1979 series. Um, lots of things that have been going on in the background, according to people who know what's going on. And we're going to talk to one of those people a little bit later on, coming up after after the break. We're going to do a little bit of housekeeping here. And then we will have in studio Mr. Flint Dilly, who is the grandson of newspaper publisher John Dilly, who, cre- who created the newspaper strip Buck Rogers in the 25th Century. So we'll be talking to him here shortly. If you are listening on podcasts or if you prefer podcasts, uh, we are on all the different players, and uh, that includes iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Double Twist, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Pocket Casts. If you are here with us live, welcome. Glad you're here. And we are uh, on both Facebook and YouTube this morning, this afternoon. Hopefully, the signal is strong enough that we don't get any kind of lag. We've been dealing with some of that a little bit uh, in the last few weeks. Not sure why. So, with us being on Facebook and YouTube live, the chats are open, the comments are open. If you're not live with us, you can still leave us a comment or send us an email live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. The phone number if you want to be a part of the program, bdbdbdbdbdbd. How's that? <laughs> Let's give you a shot of Robot Row back there. Speaking of Tweaky, I don't have a little Tweaky. Maybe I should get one to add to our uh, add to our Robot Row back there. Possibly, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. We will see. Anyway, okay, so um, so the news came last week that we are getting a new Buck Rogers project, uh, and we've known about this one for a while. Brian K. Vaughn writing the screenplay for it. It's a, it's a limited series that uh, they're working up. And last week we got news that George Clooney's Smokehouse Pictures uh, production shingle coming on board. Clooney's going to be an executive producer. There's no word. Actually, there is word he's not going to star. So we'll see. 
if that uh, if that goes anywhere. And then we also have some controversy uh, that you know news news that broke after we recorded our interview with Flint. So we'll get into that after uh, after we we uh, show you the interview that we recorded yesterday with Flint Dilly. That's coming up here shortly. Sci-Fi Snob in the chat. Hello, Robert. Hello, Tweaky and Dr. Theopolis. Dr. Theopolis was the little uh, doodad hickey that that uh, that hung around Tweaky's neck. Voiced by Mel Blank, Tweaky was. The voice of... Uh, Many Looney Tunes characters, Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Tweaky. I mean, it just makes sense. You get the you get the most prolific, most talented voice artist that you can get in those days. Uh, we do have Mrs. Voss. Could you uh, do me a favor when you get a chance? We do have in our video lineup. Uh, I meant to get this uh, put together earlier, our very, 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 very first interview that we ever put up anywhere in video, uh, was from Planet Comic Con of 2009. And we talked to Aaron Gray, who played Colonel Deering. We've had two conversations with Gil Gerard, and, uh, we have video of a panel. Uh, I think it's in three, it's in two parts or three parts. Uh, a panel with uh, Gil Gerard, Aaron Gray, and Felix Sela from another Planet Comic Con. So we'll we'll dig up the links on that, and I'll post those while we're playing back the the recording of the of the interview. So uh, you can enjoy those as well, and we will put them in the show notes uh, in addition to the chat. So be looking for that here shortly. Okay, so. Uh, program note, we are not going to have a show tomorrow. Mrs. Boss and I both be out of the studio tomorrow. We will probably not have a tartar sauce uh, on Friday. We're talking about rearranging the schedule on that one just a little bit. And then, of course, we will have Ranker Pit Friday night and a new Foreign Bodies on Saturday, along with Good Morning Multiverse. So those shows are still in place but tomorrow's live from the bunker, uh, Thursday and and tartar sauce on Friday. Not going to happen this week. We're going to look at the schedule for tartar sauce and come up with something. If 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 you're a fan of Doctor Who, let me ask you this. I'll put that out there. Whether you're whether you're watching this or whether you're listening to this as a podcast, when is a good time for us to drop tartar sauce? During the week, I mean, we get uh, we get some pretty good engagement. We get pretty good audience uh, activity in the noon hour and noon between noon and two on on the weekdays. So my question then is, when do we drop tartar sauce? Because I would like to be able to find people that are interested in Doctor Who and put our show in front of them and see if we can get some some interest in that because that's probably our lowest performing program and I'm not exactly sure why. So uh, I will put that to uh, I will put that to the audience for some feedback. You can leave us a comment or or share your thoughts suggestions. I mean if you've watched Tartar Sauce is there something we could be doing differently there or maybe just put it at a different time slot because we do follow a schedule. And I know it's YouTube. Anybody can watch anything at any time. Uh, but you know, having that premiere, having that uh, that that 
appointment television type of thing is something that we're kind of going for because I do approach this as a TV channel that happens to be on YouTube rather than a YouTube channel. And that may be a mistake on my part. I'm willing to admit that that could be a mistake on my part. I have, I, I, it happens. It happens. Um, yeah, who knows? I don't know. Uh, let's see here. George, who is George? Sci-Fi Snob, who is George? I'm not sure who you're talking... Did, did I mention a... Oh, George Clooney. George. Cl okay. I'm, I only had two cups of coffee so far. I am catching up. Uh, by the way, this Invader coffee is pretty good. Um... I'm not sure if I'm not sure if the lack of interest in our Doctor Who show is because Doctor Who is is not doing well right now. Maybe, maybe if we did a Doctor Who show where we where we trashed and complained Doctor Who, you think that might get us any any more views? <coughs> maybe I don't know. I would hope it wouldn't have to come to that, but. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Anyway, okay, so this comes out of... Uh, this is right here off of Microsoft News, but it's all over the place. Uh, Clooney Smokehouse Pictures to produce new Buck Rogers series for Legendary. This is from uh, five days ago. And basically what it is, uh, this is according to Variety, Clooney will executive produce with uh, producing partner Grant Heslov on their Smokehouse Pictures uh, banner. And a representative for Clooney says he's only signing on to the project in a producing capacity and will not star. So that is something, even though he could, and we get into that a little bit here in our discussion here in a moment, and we, there, are, there are ways you could do it, but it doesn't look like that's what they're going to do. Brian K. Vaughn, why, why the Last Man, you know his name from that. He'll write the series. Don Murphy and Susan Monford are also as uh, on as producers. They uh, they've been connected to the Transformers franchise, and then Flint Dilly, who's the grandson of the creator of the comic strip. Now I want to I want to clarify this because the creator of the comic strip is not the creator of the character. Philip Francis Nolan wrote a couple of novellas. Uh, one of them, um, Armageddon twenty four nineteen A D. And that introduced Anthony Rogers as this guy, the, uh, a World War I Army veteran who uh, fell to suspended animation inside a cave because of various different gases in a cave-in. He was trapped. And then he wakes up in the 25th century. And the book that Nolan writes is completely earthbound. And it is uh, less pew pew space, you know, space aliens and ray guns, and it's more uh, World War Three dystopian. It's one of the early dystopian fictions where the Chinese have become the bad guys, the Hans, and it's something that you probably in this day and age you would not ever see as a direct adaptation. And John Dilley was a newspaper publisher at the time. He adapted Armageddon 2419, 2491. Which, one, which is it? I want to say it's 2419. 
uh, Dilly uh, adapted that as a newspaper strip, and it didn't do very well. And they did a revamp where uh, Rogers was now called William Rogers, uh, trying to evoke a little bit of uh, the the kind of reputation that Will Rogers had, the humorist Will Rogers. Uh, I never met a man I didn't like, Will Rogers. And gave him the nickname Buck and then turned this into a space serial with Princess Ardala and and the 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 stuff uh, warriors from Mars and and that kind of thing. So Buck Rogers in the 25th century was an adaptation of Nolan's work and it became the basis for all of the other Buck Rogers stuff that we've seen, the movie serials, the television shows, and there were more than one. So that's what we're looking at as far as the new adaptation is. This, it's the same kind of character, story, environment, IP that you'd find from like the 1979 show from, with Gil Gerard and, and Aaron Gray. Uh, Sci-Fi Snob says, um, Clooney would be a good older Buck Rogers, but a younger guy might be better. He should have, have the rugged look. Who would you who would you cast as Buck Rogers? I know the the first the first name that pops up is you know the flavor of the month right now is Henry Cavill, but he's in everything. Uh, Chris Pine's in everything. I wouldn't go with either one of them. For Buck Rogers, for me, I'm wondering if they should go with an unknown because if you put a name there then the name is fighting the Buck Rogers name. And Buck Rogers has, has with it a, a, a certain level of reputation in and of itself. So, I don't know. I'm of two minds. Let me think on it. And, yeah, Cavill's got the look, especially if you look at uh, Howard Chaikin's comic book adaptation of the original book uh, that he did uh, two or three years ago. Uh, Cavill would definitely work in that in that sense, Cavill might be a little too old. I see, I see, uh, I see Buck Rogers being somewhere between thirty and thirty-five because in the original book he was a World War One lieutenant, and lieutenants aren't that old. They're not, you know, they're not young, but I'd say early thirties. So maybe I don't know. All right, so we're going to take a break, and when we get back, my conversation with Flint. Dilly, stand by. And it's a real pleasure for me as a longtime fan to be sitting here with Aaron Gray. Here with Larry Hama. We're talking with Kevin J. Anderson, best-selling author. Mr. Neil Adams. I am here with David Fritz. Axel Alonso, editor Fan Days at Dallas Comic-Con with uh, John Delancey. With Tom King. Kevin Conroy. Denise Crosby. Popcon. McKenna Talley here on location at Star Wars Celebration. talking our second time with Gil Gerard. Wichita, Kansas at Time Eddie. David Gerald. Yeah, I've got Eric Flint. We are here at Smallville Comic Con. Wizard World St. Louis. GlitchCon in Bentonville, Arkansas. Yeah. Worldcon 74. We are talking with uh, Alan Dean Foster. We are talking with Charlene Harris. Quincy Allen. Suzanne Lambert. Lambert. Ashley Eckstein. Mano Interrevi. Jason Aaron. This is Sci Fi for Me, your portal. Of a science fiction multiverse. 
He is known for being kind of a Rip Van Winkle character. And last week we got news that George Clooney was going to be working on a new version of Buck Rogers, the classic character from way, way back in the day. I think in any further back, and you go to 1912 for John Carter, but Buck Rogers has been around since the 1920s. And he really took off when the novel Armageddon 2419 AD was adapted as a newspaper comic strip by John Dilley. And his grandson, Flint, joins us now to talk about the legacy of Buck Rogers. Welcome. Good afternoon, sir. All right. Well, good to be here. Good to be here. So the news uh, the news comes out last week. George Clooney and his production company are going to be involved in this new limited series that Brian K. Vaughn is writing. Now, we heard about his involvement back in December. And the articles are also saying that you're involved. So uh, we were able to reach out and say, hey, let's talk about this. So glad you're able to, to join us. I imagine that there's probably not a whole lot that you can tell us at this point yet. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, the, the, <laughs> basically everything I can tell you is in the articles. Um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 a big moment. It's a big announcement. It was kind of cool. I started hearing from people. Aaron Gray called me up, uh, you know, out of the blue. I hadn't talked to her in like five years. Yeah. And I remember she played Wilma in the uh, 70s show. We actually, Wil- and, uh, Aaron was actually the very first on-camera interview we ever did back in 2009. So uh, we've, we've. Aaron's just great. Geez. I mean, she, she really, you talk about having a fascinating career after all of this. I yeah. mean, she's, she is basically the, you know, the agent for everybody in cons. Right, yeah, because she's got that. Uh, she's got that company that does the appearances, and and mm-hmm. everybody Heroes who's anybody, Hire, I think it's yeah. called. At least that, that's what I think it was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and and she's be. done really well with that. And as a matter of fact, I think uh, has inspired a couple of other companies to do the same same kind of thing. So that's that's apparently becoming a a big. Business oh, it's a, for them. it's a huge deal, you know. And and I mean, she's like she's like an entrepreneur and all, and it's just fascinating, you know, to, to hear that hear about the what she's doing but yeah i mean because you think about all the cons and all these people need representation and they don't have deals and it's uneven and she just found a niche that uh, filled it brilliantly yeah so let me ask you this because aaron has done uh, a couple of other projects related to buck rogers because she appeared in the short film that james Colley did Yes, uh, and in an attempt to revive the character, and of course she's been in Collie's uh, Star Trek fan films as well, uh, and and Gil Gerard has showed up over there as 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 a character. Indeed, he did. Yes. Did, how? I don't know exactly how much I could ask about that one because that one seemed to be you know everybody was excited about it, and then suddenly it was just not a thing. Did it just? not work out yeah or? well i mean i don't i don't i don't really know that much i mean there, there's probably you know maybe if there's a lot to know then you know i'm not on anybody's uh, chat thread on it but um I mean, we went up to uh, fort ticonderoga new york and james Colley had an amazing thing going you walk into what was you know some kind of a defunct car dealership and all of a sudden you're standing on the bridge of the enterprise yeah wow. I mean, it was like really the bridge <laughs> of the enterprise i said wow this is cool and it was that minute when you could make fan films and it was really fun. And, and, you know, he was kind of on the edge of that stuff. And we shot, I was there for 
I want to say a week, but maybe it wasn't that long. I was there for a while and Aaron was there and Gil was there. And, uh, um, yeah, you know, just a really a bunch of nice folks that are you know still on my Facebook page and all that. And we had a good time. And then whatever happened, uh, you know, between that and on the way to reality, I don't know. Yeah. So uh, there have been a few steps here because we're talking about you know the new one now with you being involved. Um, Don Murphy and Su- Susan Montford were announced as producers on this thing when they said that Brian Vaughn, when the, his name was first announced back in December, and now you've got George Clooney. Now, as I understand, this is going to be a limited series, so this is going to television. This is not a movie. Yeah, yes, believe believe what you're seeing in the article and do not trust anything I tell you. But yes, that <laughs> is that's a current plan because. Frankly, st- you know, streaming series is, are, are the place to be right now. I mean, they're the medium of right now. And yeah. maybe we'll feel totally different the minute the theaters reopen and the world comes back to life. But at this exact moment, I, you know, that you know, streaming is the best game in town. And it's a great thing to do with Buck. And, and frankly, I don't even really know the difference between a streaming show and a movie at this point, other than the movie's two hours long. <laughs> Right. You know, I mean, a world of digital production and yeah. and lockdown and all that. It's you know, it, it you know, it is what it is. I'm sure there's there's some huge difference, but I'm just not aware of you know in practice what it is. So there are rumors uh, circulating about uh, with you know people wondering whether or not Clooney is actually going to play Buck. I would think he's a little bit old for the part. Um, and, and the article says that he's only on as an executive producer. Do, are you, are you, yeah, that, inside? that's correct. And, okay. and yeah, and, and like nobody, nobody is the slightest bit interested in my casting opinion. So, you know, I'm, <laughs> you know, basically who would you, you know, cast? kind of world uh, that, building that implies, design and maybe right. Yeah, that, but that but, implies you, that implies you've got somebody in mind. Who would you see playing Buck at this point? Do you have a favorite? I, I mean, it, it totally depends because, the you know, the, the thing is this. It totally depends on how you interpret the character. Right. Okay. And imagine for a second you're Flint Dilly and you've, you know, you've spent your life with people pitching you Buck Rogers ideas. I mean, it's a horrible thing to imagine, but you're only doing it for a second. And, and you know, I've heard all sorts of really interesting ways of doing it. And there would be a way of doing it with somebody Clooney's age. Um there would be a way of doing it with a much younger person. It's hard to imagine to me, Buck being under 28. Yeah. You know, I I mean, if he's, you know, he's a pilot and stuff like that, or, you know, in his twenties, let's say, you know, mid to late twenties. You know, cause he's not a kid character. He's not even a young adult character or a young man character. He's a a fairly fully realized character. Can he be, uh, and I think of, you know, George Clooney as a sprightly young guy. So, you know, I mean, you know, it's like, but, uh, you know, I, I, I just don't know if age matters and then don't rule out the possibility. This is 2021 and George Clooney can look like he's, you know, 35. If you digitally want him to look like he's 35. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so, uh, you know, just, I mean, all the rules we used to have, I mean, in the case of George Clooney and he's only on as an executive producer. So I'm just, I'm just taking a speculative ride with you here. Sure, Do not think sure. there's any code in what I'm saying. But if you if you think about, um, you know, you think about George Clooney and think about the era we're in, a lot of things don't matter. The one intangible 
that you that that you know an actor brings is their their persona and their their character you know what i mean and their capabilities everything else can be you know digitally modded and and changed yeah. but that's the that's the incredible intangible and you know i mean the guy's just this larger in life personality well and, and then if you, you think have... about gravity it it gives you some interesting clues as that you know how he could function sure well and and then you know there's always you talk about the way it's interpreted there's the question of whether or not we're going to get more armageddon 2419 or if we're going to get more buck rogers in the 25th century because those two kind those two stories are different interpretations of that character because the the story the very first story in the Nolan book is much different than what you get in say Glenn Larson's TV show where the, you know the environment and the story elements and everything the pretty much the only thing that's different is that Buck goes into suspended animation he wakes up in the 24th century all of the all of the surrounding paraphernalia for the story changes a lot so do you do you know are you aware of what kind of discussions are being had as to what story is going to be told or is it still too early? Well, I can give you my opinion. Okay, sure. you know, and I, you know, once again, people may or may not, you know, value my opinion in this. You know, <laughs> I'm I'm part of the project. Um, but but let me start with. You you figured out coming into this conversation what it took me probably, you know, 20 years to figure out. Now, granted, that would mean I was 20 when I figured it out, but never really because I've had this around all my life. But understanding the difference between Armageddon 2419 and, and Buck Rogers is, is really very rare. Okay. I mean, you know, 90% of people that approach this material, just imagine the conga line of people I've seen approach this material over the years. <laughs> and everybody comes in and typically people go, will go read the first three months of the comic strip because that's pretty rigorous. Or they'll, you know, read you know, Armageddon 2419 and they'll start off with the Road Warrior, you know, Attack of the Hand story, the, the Nolan story. Right. You have correctly observed. <laughs> <laughs> that um, Buck Rogers to me is about rocket ships and alien planets and jetpacks and killer cane and space pirates and and all that cool stuff. That is not present in Nolan. And the real truth, the cautionary tale that I that I would advance is that even my grandfather, when he released Buck Rogers, premiered it pretty much as a straight translation of uh, Armageddon twenty four nineteen. Nobody knows this, or yeah, I mean, yeah, the hardcore, you know, fan geeks know it, or if you happen to be born with this in your life, you know it. Yeah. But it failed miserably in its test marketing. They went in, they did a teardown, because this was my grandfather's pet project. This was really his way of all these weird inventions he had of you know, <laughs> putting them into a strip, because he owned a newspaper syndicate. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, what happened is they came back and it became what you think of as being Buck Rogers. And that is Killer Kane and Ardala. Killer Kane was, was, I believe, technically in one of the Nolan books and not both. But, you know, uh, you know Ardala and, you know, the, the, uh, um, the Draconian you know, Tiger Men of Mars and, yeah. and you know, Duel, but yeah, all, all that stuff. Okay. That's all in space. And to me, What's the point of doing Buck Rogers if you're not in space? And and 
I don't know how much you know about my background, but I mean, you know, I, my career started turning, you know, toys into television shows, right? You know, right. Transformers and G.I. Joe and all that. <laughs> uh, no small part of my career has been doing games and, and world building, creating franchises. And if I'm creating a franchise and you say, well, you can either have something in a, in a deformed earth, which we've seen quite enough of lately, or you can have something in outer space. I'll, I'll tell you what I want. You know, I mean, if you're trying to sell toys, what do you want? If you're trying to make games, what do you want? Yeah. Well, and the other part of that, too, is now with with all of the different ray guns and spaceship stories that have come out that have been influenced and inspired by Buck Rogers, uh, you, you now have the challenge that John Carter faced. Uh, you know, when Disney is doing that movie, because John Carter you know, has been around 1912. John Carter was the first. Then there was Buck Rogers. Then there was Flash Gordon. And so now you have these guys who are essentially the the founding fathers, as it were, the foundation of all of the science fiction and superhero f stories that we have now. Only now coming to the forefront in in the screen. So now you have uh, the added the added level of challenge of making a Buck Rogers movie and avoiding or or a television show and trying to do it in a way that people won't look at it and say, oh well, that's just derivative of Star Wars. It's like no 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 no. Buck Rogers was before Star Wars. You wouldn't have Star Wars without Buck Rogers. And I think that's one of the mistakes that they made in marketing John Carter is, you know, you had this thing and people didn't know exactly what it was. And it looked like a star Wars ripoff. It looked like, you know, somebody was trying to do something derivative when they should have said, you know, this is how you got to star Wars. And I think the marketing for Buck Rogers could, could go the same route with that whole, you know, one of the heroes who inspired an entire genre of storytelling is coming to the screen. It, as you've grown up with this, has there been any sense of, I don't want to say frustration, but besides the TV show with Gil Gerard, Buck Rogers really hasn't had very much time in the spotlight has there been any kind of a sense of buck should be out there more uh, is, has this been frustrating for for you for the family for the you know for the people who have a vested interest in buck or, or oh, have y'all yeah. been biding your time oh, or yeah. it's just yes <laughs> the the are the tone implies some stories there, Flint. What? Oh yeah, there. Are, I. Uh, I mean, <laughs> some someday I will write about the various travails of Buck Rogers. Um, yeah, it's very frustrating, you know, because I mean, Buck Rogers. It's not like any other, you know, project I work on where it's either just an original that I'm creating or it's something I'm doing, you know, with a team, you know, a company. Buck Rogers is something I was born with, but I sure as hell didn't create it. And I probably put more effort into Buck Rogers than any other single franchise I've ever worked on. And the frustration, of course, is that we did a lot of stuff in the late 80s with TSR, some of which I'm very proud of, the 25C stuff, mm -hmm. you know, XS, XVC stuff. 
And it's very good. And I hope it will serve as the world building in it will serve as a base for what we do with the new exploitation. Because, I mean, that, that's the one thing we can do and, and we bring to the party that nobody else has. Is we've, we've developed this probably more deeply than anybody developed something before the project was released. Okay. And it always was a world building site. You know, we figured out exactly really what's going on in Venus. Now that would change. It's now 20, you know, it'll be 2023 or 22 or whatever the thing comes out. Right. And that will change. But the point is there's an incredibly solid base to build off of. And, um, uh, it, it's extremely frustrating. Yeah. Cause everything else I work on, you know, when I'm, then when I'm doing some video game or, you know, or something like that, Everything else I'm working on is something that's new, you know, by and large. And you, there's a kind of problem you run into with an 80-year-old property that you don't run into when you're creating something off the top of your head. And that is you just end up in scavenger world. And, uh, you know, we've had a lot of trolls and a lot of people in trying to make trouble and all, a lot of people trying to put their fingers in it. And that that remains an ongoing battle. And... It is much to Don Murphy's credit that he's just had the resolve, and frankly, my sisters, that they've had the resolve and tenacity to fight through that to get us to where we are now. Yeah. How how much uh, how much control I guess could say does the Dilly Estate that you know the the family still have? I mean, I imagine you have a very strong vested interest in this, but how much of a say do you get to have? Well, okay. That's the, the, that question breaks into about 50 different parts, but let's just say <laughs> it's not Buck Rogers and it's, you know, you know, some book I wrote, you know, right. like uh, Dave Marconi and I wrote agent 13 books. Okay. Let's say it's agent 13. And it's not Buck Rogers. These are just books we made up. The minute you make a deal with a studio, you, you all, you, you don't really, end up with very much control because uh, unless you're JK Rowling or something, because they're paying a lot of money and they may or may not want your opinion. Right. You know, and so, so, you know, that's the, you see, and it just, you just play this game long enough and you understand that you don't, you don't get control. What you can have is influence. If you've got, you know, exciting ideas. And if you've got a point of view and a little bit of experience, but that depends on people listening to you, you know, and in the case of, you know, television, television's more of a writer's medium where film's more of a director's medium. Yeah. So the showrunner, you know, has the, has the opinion that matters. Now, in a case of a franchise, there are a lot of other asterisks next to that. You know, in other words, you may have, you know, people who want to invest in toys and video games and stuff like that, who are saying, look, you know, I'll invest, but you got to give me something I can make a toy or video game out of, or, you know, I'm not interested. <laughs> yeah. Is that, uh, is that something that has come up as maybe not necessarily a challenge, but, you know, in the wake of Star Wars and the merchandising explosion, and then now you look at what's happened with the sequel trilogy and the lack of sales with those toys. Has there's been has there been a concern that, well, Buck Rogers, what kind of toys can you make with with Buck Rogers? I mean, certainly you could do action figures, you could do model, you know, ship models, 
what opportunities are being discussed along those lines? How can you expand the franchise from just the TV series? What else can you do with it in terms of merchandising at this point? Is well, there- it, here's the deal. I mean, you, you can't look at something like Star Wars and the Marvel movies as a bad thing or Batman or, you know, all of DC's licensing is a bad thing. That's a good thing because it tells you there are buyers out there and people that want things. Right. Okay. And Buck Rogers, you know, in this incarnation has a really, really great asset. And that is it's simultaneously new and old, you know, whatever, whatever we do will be a new expression of Buck Rogers. Nobody's talking about, let's do it just like it was the, it was the thirties. Nobody's talking about that. Um, so it will be a new expression of the property. There's certain things, and I, I view it, it, it's like when I'm working on games, you always have this question as to whether something's a bug or a feature. And sometimes the best features in video games were perceived as bugs when they first happen. Right. And and even at the height of Star Wars action figures, you know, it was duking it out with Masters of the Universe. And in my in my other identity, I was out there pitching the new Transformers. This is Rodimus Prime, right? You know, because they did the 80, 86 movie. And, you know, and they're still coming out with those things, but they got a new version. But the new version is a screen accurate version of the, of the, what was in the animated film in 86. Point being that there's an incredible audience out there for stuff. You know, it's different than it was. It's not 1986 anymore. And, you know, it's different. Certainly you've got video games. You've got whole kinds of video games we didn't even have then. I mean, then we had arcade games. Yeah. You know, now you have console games of every, you know, possible thing. You have app games. You have geo games. You have everything in the world that you can do. So that would probably be a really important thing. And the answer is you can do a lot of things. You can do classic action figures. What you have to do, and this is the one thing I want to be careful about because I don't want to give up the idea, but you have to have an underlying concept that somebody is something nobody's ever seen before. Sure. And, you know, what's what I have in mind just goes back to the fundamental DNA because one thing nobody's done is cracked what made it work that it had that still none of those things still have now. And I think, you know, this will be released into a world that's crawling out of a year of lockdown. And, the, you know, the echo of COVID will still be here. I yeah. think we're walking into a new and exciting period where people want new stuff. There's not something that they could be streaming over the last year that they want to watch that they haven't watched. It's, we're going to have a burst of new stuff. And so I would look to what people, and oddly enough, that's not terribly different than the environment Buck Rogers was released in, because remember it came out of the, you know, in the depression. Right. So that, that begs the question how you make a property like Buck Rogers or John Carter or Flash Gordon appeal to the younger generations. I mean, there are people my age, there are people that are older who are going to sit there, they immediately recognize the name Buck Rogers. We all know who Buck Rogers is because we watched the TV show or we read the comic strips or, or whatever. And Howard Chaikin just did a comic book here not too long ago that revived the whole thing. And yet the the younger groups, the teenagers, the 20-somethings, how do you get them interested in Buck Rogers Oh yeah, no. I mean, like you know, I have I have two of them living in my house at this very moment. Right? <laughs> you know, my daughter's twenty and my son's twenty-two. 
uh, it's it's you know there's not a big secret to it you have to make something really good that people want to watch i mean you know that i mean all buck rogers you know gives you is it's a name that's kind of familiar and people are interested in if we'd released the same press release that said you know george clooney's starring in spank man you know uh, I, you and i wouldn't be having this conversation right <laughs> So, but uh, but at the end of the day, you, you have to do a really great product with a really great idea behind it that matches with the, the exploitations and the games and the licensing and something unique. And what I think could be really unique is simultaneously hard-coded into the DNA of Buck Rogers, and nobody's doing it. I'm not sure why. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's, you know, and so I, you just, you can't worry about that. You just have to go out and make the best thing that you can make, and and you 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 look at any intellectual property and just say, what is the primal thing that made that so successful? I mean, human nature hasn't changed in about what thirty, forty thousand years. Sure. I mean, I don't know when we <laughs> date the beginning of civilization, but you know, and so it's not going to change in the next few weeks. It certainly won't by the twenty-three season. Yeah. So what you have to do is you have to figure out what is you know we got all this stuff out there. But we've had stuff really operating a very narrow part of the bandwidth. What's the new thing you can do? And what's the new thing you create and throw into a world that, um, as I said, is going to be unlike any we've seen before? You know, think about it. You know, the year from now to a year and a half, two years, whenever this comes out. We're going to be in, in a time not like anything we've seen. We're, you know, the, we're going to be in a world that has crawled out from under lockdown. I think it's going to be a really exciting, really inventive, really vibrant time. Now, is it, does that lean the story more toward the original caught in a mine trapped in suspended animation or are we going to go with buck as an astronaut or can you say or has it been decided well, yet? interesting question <laughs> you're asking i mean i once again you know I, nothing i'm telling you is secret proprietary information the answer yeah. is we don't know okay i you know i there at least i don't i haven't seen a script okay you know but what it would tell you is okay what's the metaphor between where we are now and somebody trapped in a mine who lost 500 years is there is there a, is there a linking metaphor? Okay. Secondly, uh, because I mean, you you do have to hop onto the times you find yourselves, and some things target them really well, and some things uh, just get lucky. Yeah. But you, but you have you have to you know, I mean, it's like I got I have Tom Brady's book behind me. I mean, you have to throw the ball to where the receiver is gonna be, and you have to ask yourself, where's the receiver gonna be in a year and a half or two years? And that's kind that of hard to sense. predict. That's that's a that's a moving target. It's really hard to hit that sometimes because you can have the best of well, intentions, it, you can have the plan, and then what happens if it doesn't hit? If if it if it doesn't find uh, the well, yes, you have to accept the possibility anytime you do anything that failure is a probability. Hopefully, it won't be. Hopefully, it won't. It, we we it do won't not happen. want that to happen. No. no, but but I mean, you have to accept that because you, you know if. I mean, there's not there's not some way to mitigate failure. I mean, usually if you try to mitigate failure, you end up with something that's not trying to do anything. and Nobody likes it. Right. Yeah. You so you've got to actually go out and do something bold. You can't please <laughs> so everybody all the time. 
So the yeah. the frustrations of developing Buck Rogers over the years, how has that had any impact on the other projects that you've been involved in, in terms of how you approach things, what kind of ideas you uh, you tend to uh, support or generate or encourage in other people? Has that had an effect at all? But just because you're Almost very close none. to Buck. I would say Buck has been pretty much quarantined in my life. Yeah. You have to understand. In other words, you know, I can be doing, you know, take your pick. I can be doing Uncharted or I can be doing Ingress or I can be doing, you know, Riddick or I can be doing all sorts of stuff. Some of which, you know, steps into slightly similar territory. But um, Buck just exists in its own world in my head, in its own place, uh, you know, and and, you know, it's, it, you know, not entirely, you know, it's not necessarily the most pleasant place in my life, but it, but it does exist there. And, and my job, my duty is to make it work. Now, when you're saying that it's not necessarily a positive place, is that something where, I don't want to ask if well, Buck has no, become it's, an it's albatross. No, what you've been asking about all along. It's just all of the frustrations attended yeah. to it. And unlike, it's not like somebody, think about it this way. If, if somebody hires me to do a project, okay, it's their project and I'm there because they want me. Okay. If I just make up my own project and go sell it to somebody, they buy it because they like it. Right. With Buck Rogers, I kind of come along with the package. And what I've discovered is I've had meetings with people in the same meeting. Where at the beginning of the meeting, they're talking to me as somebody that develops intellectual properties and writes things and designs games and all that. And and it's totally normal. The minute the topic shifts to Buck Rogers, a weirdly magical thing happens. And then everybody talks to me like that never existed. And I'm some guy that fell off a turnip truck from Illinois who, who you know, they have to explain, well, this is an intellectual property. We have to develop it this way. It's right. like... Wait a second. Weren't we just talking about? Why do you think that is? Human nature. Yeah. You said what? I, what I was saying. You have to understand that when, and the, you don't have to understand this because I only partially grok it myself, and I've been dealing with it <laughs> for about sixty years. So, yeah. uh, and I don't expect anybody else to understand. But I'll try to explain it. And that is, what you what, people judge you when you're in the room as to why you're in the room. Okay. If you're in the room as the writer, they know what you're doing there. You're in there, you know, as, as game designer, you're in there as the creator. They know why you're there and they have to, you know, address you as such. You're in there as some error to something. It's a different world. Yeah. You're treated differently. Does that make any sense? It does. And, 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 you know, and plus the fact that you want to, you throw in that and everybody wants creative control. Okay. That's the fundamental law of Hollywood. Everybody wants it. Right. You know, uh, most often people that, you know, don't, wouldn't in any other context, you know, classify themselves as creative, but they still want to control it. Right. And so everybody fights over that and they want to get their person in and they want to get their thing in and they want to get their idea. Even though a lot of times you can quiz people and they wouldn't really know what the ideas were and they view that as sort of unimportant. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, you know, so it, it gets to be this very weird ride. Plus the fact when you're dealing with an 80 year old project, you attract a lot of scavengers. Oh, I'm sure. And when you're doing something brand new, you're in predator world. Yeah. Okay, you're like in cheetah world and everybody's moving so fast that scavengers can't be around. You don't have buzzards showing up. 
you know, <laughs> while, while hardline predators are doing their business. They show up in the corpse of lion there and all that. And so people people tend to perceive it as a corpse and therefore want to, you know, we have a lot of grave robbers and trolls and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, now in in the in the the Hollywood circles is Buck Rogers. I mean, I imagine there are some people that still see it as a viable property, or you would be developing a new series. But by and large, are are people kind of looking sideways at this, going, "Why are you doing Buck Rogers? That's just kind of you know old." What hat. were they saying when they were doing Iron Man? Yeah, well, <laughs> same kind of thing. But it it strikes me as odd that it would take this long to do something uh, in and around Buck, given how, how, you know, given the longevity of the character, but also, you know, the influence that he's had on so many other things. I mean, like we said, it's just like, well, you know, John, Car- me, you John Carter, Buck Rogers, five, six Gordon. different ways. So let me try to try to answer it for you. I don't know. If you'll like this answer, but okay. I'll give you the best answer I can. And that is a movie or a TV show is an extremely fragile thing. Okay, you know, I I mean, so much stuff has to go right before something happens. You know, you can have a star, you can have a script, you can have famous property, you can have all sorts of stuff. And it's extremely fragile. And one thing goes wrong. You know, Tom Cruise had Buck Rogers and Jerry Bruckheimer. You know, when Tom Cruise was the last remaining superstar and Jerry Bruckheimer was Jerry Bruckheimer. Nothing happened for six years. So you can take that six years off the calendar. Um, and, you know, and, you know, it's been optioned numerous times by numerous other people under numerous different theories since then. It's, it's almost never been static or stagnant. But you, you know, getting together people that have the means, the motive and the opportunity to do it. Yeah. You know, making a movie <laughs> or making a TV show is like making a crime. We're in an environment now, if Netflix decides to do something, they can just do it. But that's for right now. You make a deal with them tomorrow. And I'm just, I'm not saying anybody's making a deal with Netflix. I'm right. just picking them, you know, because they're, they're the state of the art. You know, by the time, by the time it would get made, they may not be in that situation. I mean, where was Netflix 10 years ago? You know, where was Netflix five years ago? You know, sure. they're trying to figure out, okay, are we a, we send discs out in the mail or are we a streaming <laughs> service or we have two different services, you know, I mean, it, it, you, so you have an incredibly dynamic changing world atop a, a very fragile medium. Anytime you're trying to get something shot, so many things have to link up in the same place at the same time yeah. that sometimes you don't get lucky. All of that having been said, I think it is conspicuous that given the elements around this property that nothing has happened. And we've had a number of misses of, of near and distant varieties, you know, uh, but I, you know, it's, it, 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 once you're actually inside the business, what amazes you and since something actually gets made as opposed to things don't get made. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of like a space shuttle launch. If you listen to all the launch protocols, it would be impossible to ever launch. Anything. There is a book uh, called John Carter and the, and the gods of Hollywood that talks very much about, all of the different times that somebody tried to make a John Carter property. And it sounds like your book about the Buck Rogers history would be very much the same kind of thing. Um, so yeah, you, you when, could when are you that. writing it? <laughs> Cause I would very well, much my, like to read my that. sister and I, uh, my sister and I have been talking about writing one, yeah. you know, I, I, my version of it's called conga line of anuses. And uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, 
I, I've met some of the most horrific people I've ever met in my life associated with Buck Rogers. And, and my best explanation is because I'm totally unequipped to deal in scavenger world. Mm. You know, you know, I mean, it's just not an environment I've been functioning in. Yeah. Um, I mean, some of the, you know, I, I don't know whether you've, you've seen, I, I came out with a book where a lot of the stuff you're talking about, uh, I, I, t- I actually talk about Buck Rogers in it. Did I, did I tell you about this? Uh, no. It's called I, Games Master. Okay. I'll have to, I talk I'll have a lot about Buck Rogers and go through a lot of the, uh, a lot of this stuff and kind of the history with it. Yeah. Um, really mostly in the eighties because, uh, the book really takes place between, you know, when I got out of film school and I was doing Transformers and GI Joe and working with Gary Gygax doing games and all that, it was just one period of my life that fans ask a lot about. Sure. Um, but uh, and that would that would, would tell you all the basics you need to know about Buck Rogers because I mean the advanced conversation proceeds from there. But um, you know it, it, it's 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 frustrating. But you know what I just know is you know if if you're not prepared to deal with a lot of frustration, don't get in the entertainment business. Oh, absolutely. So legendary comes to you. And they said, we've got this, we've got this idea. We've got this deal that we want to do. No, How more it- specifically, Don Murphy comes to me like 10, 15 years ago. I mean, I, I don't remember when Don Murphy wasn't chasing the property. Yeah. And we were always, you know, we always had some deal somewhere or something was happening somewhere or whatever. I mean, figure in, if, if, if we were to really go through it, there probably been 15 deals in one, one or another stage of reality. <laughs> But I mean, all, all of which involved contracts and money changing hands, things like that. I'm making that number up. But let's just say since since I was born, that, that number has, has existed. And probably not far from that if you take it from the 70s show to now. I'm, I'm just making the number up, though. Right. And Don, you know, and, and what would happen is you would have... Uh, you know, it, it producers would show up and they want to do it. Because for every deal that gets made, figure there are five that don't happen. Okay. I mean, just, you know, it gets to be a math problem after a while. Don for sheer tenacity and persistence and passion stuck around and finally there came a point where it was just obvious to me, okay, this is the guy to do it. And he does the Transformers movies and all that. I mean, it's, you know, this is what he does. Yeah. And, uh, so we, we just, we just hitched up on that and we've been on, we've been on that adventure. He found legendary. And, uh, you know, it's been putting up the deal and, uh, and now, you know, so, so that's where we're, where we're going. So how much do you, uh, get to do in this? Are you just on as a consultant, as a producer, you actually get to have a say in what happens or what? No, I have no say. Okay. Take the word say out of this. Nobody Mm. has say, you know, except the director or whoever happens to be pay for it. Okay. They have say. Um, I, I can influence it. I'm on as a producer and I am on as much as, you know, anybody wants me to be involved and as much as I think, well, this is the best way I can spend my time. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's like, yeah, if it's worth doing, I mean, as I said, I probably over the years put more work into Buck Rogers than any other single project. Right. But you know, it, it's the, you know, it just totally depends how it shakes out. I mean, a creative team, you you can have all sorts of titles and you can be on a title card and all that. That doesn't necessarily tell you anything about what people actually do. 
Oh, sure. Right. I mean, associate producer credits get handed out like candy on some projects. So I, I totally understand that. Oh, yeah. Well, I, OK, I had one. I, I have a co-producer credit with Harvey Weinstein. OK, you actually Google that. You will find that. Other than creating the property, which nobody can test, and, and having first credit on writing the script, when we never actually wrote a script, um, but the Writers Guild determined that it was our stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, I I didn't hardly talk to anybody in the whole course of that project. Okay. Then you end up with an associate producer on stuff like Transformers. And yeah, I'd be the writer, the story editor. I'd go to all the voice sessions. I'd go over the storyboards. I'd go to the sweetening sessions. I'd, you know, pick the music you know, and, and, you know, that so I was actually hyper involved. My credit, I think, it later got upgraded to co-producer. But the fact of the matter is, my credit was associate producer for a lot of it. The credits don't necessarily reflect what the person does in the project. Right. You get overcredited. You get undercredited. You get correctly credited. Anything could happen with credit. <laughs> just yeah, long, you, you just gotta love love doing it. As long as they spell your name right in the credits. That's that's yeah. an important part, right? It's always nice because yeah. you want to you want to refresh your IMDb page. <laughs> so, what what do you anticipate? What are your uh, what would you like to see come out of this? When you know this series comes out, it tells whatever story it tells. What kind of what kind of of place do you want buck to be in at the end of all of this i don't know i don't know if i'm asking that right but no i understand the question i mean i think i get the sense of it and if the answer's off then just retarget the question but um i i want it to be a really cool series and you know i mean i like the toys and the games and the ancillary stuff in the world and i want it to be something that you know has been worth all of this blood sweat toil and tears so a certain amount of vindication for you especially and I, I don't, I don't, I don't mean that, that in a negative sense, but you know, the, I, I imagine I don't know I'd use the word vindication, use the word just payoff. Like, you know, you know, it's like you put all this effort, you want to get something back for it. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be, you know, financial. I'm not really looking for that. I just want to like, feel like, Oh, I did all this stuff and something came out of it. <laughs> Cause it's never very satisfying to do a whole lot of work and have nothing come from it. Sure. And one way or another, it will. I mean, I'll either take those ideas and put them in some other project or, yeah. You know, I mean, very rarely do you do a lot of work and not have some result from it, even though it might be very indirect. Yeah. So it's very preliminary in this particular project. When, when, what kind of a timetable are we looking at? Cause you were saying 2023, I think when it comes out, are, are we just right now at story phase or Brian's writing the yeah, script? I think, I think we are at kind of concept, concept phase. Now, remember, it's, you know, it, it, production tends to be you know, some more parallel than, you know, the serial. And especially when you're dealing with an old property that, you know, like this, in other words, you know, one point, you're, you know, there are people trying to figure out deals and, and practice. There are other people trying to figure out concept and you're trying to figure out format. You know, there, there are a lot of stuff. Right. And there's probably to, you know, lots of stuff happening that I don't even know about. So we will keep an eye on this. I imagine cameras will probably start rolling sometime late in the year or early next year, maybe. Mm-hmm. That would be that would be the hope. I mean, once again, you don't know. 
Yeah. And, and you don't even know if cameras will be rolling. For all we know, it'll all be CG. But, <laughs> and, you know, hard drives will be clicking. I mean, you'll have real people in it. Well, and, the, and that raises some possibilities as well, because you look at the production of something like The Mandalorian, for example, yep. and the studio that they're using, the volume, with the game engine and the and the screens instead of actually going out on location, that really kind of changes the game a little bit on what kind well, of does, stories you can tell it. for Buck Rogers. I mean, yep. you can go anywhere, really. Yep. I, I has that. I imagine just from the look on your face, I would I would expect that conversation has probably already happened. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it would be. I don't think it would be possible to think about you know producing something and not be thinking about the latest production techniques yeah yeah especially when you're doing a science fiction project like buck rogers yeah i mean it, it is very unlikely that you know that it'll be a lot of you know location set shooting however you want to have some of that so that you know it doesn't feel like it's you know animated you know yeah. i mean but you know, yes i would assume nobody's going to be shooting stuff quite the way they used to Oh, or maybe that. they will, but they'll be, you know, a different kind of movie. But, you know, post Mandalorian, you know, who's going to be, who's going to be shooting it like it's 1979. Sure. Well, we are very much looking forward to it here and uh, hopefully, you know, we'll get some news as it, as it comes out and we'll get uh, casting news and of course, all of the rumors that will swirl around and we'll, and, and maybe we can circle back, have you back as we, as we get closer to production and, See where things are at. Yes. It's very exciting yes. times for for Buck Rogers fans. It's good to see this project moving okay, forward. Okay, great. So. And when, when there's more, I'm happy to come back and tell you what there is. It's just, you know, everything I know is in the article. Sure. Okay. Well, yeah. Flint Dilly, thank you very much for your time today, sir. And we do appreciate it. Okay, okay great. great. Talk to you later. later. Right. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Another look at Robot Row there. I've got to get, I've got to get some more. I've got to get some more on there. All right, so that is Flint Dilly. He is uh, the grandson of newspaper publisher John Dilly, talking about Buck Rogers. And uh, Robert, I did see your questions in the chat. I don't know if you if you noticed this was pre-recorded, so I wasn't able to ask him about merchandise. However. Uh, since I did have a minute or two on my hands, I did go and look over on eBay for Buck Rogers stuff, and there's quite a bit there in terms of the old vintage uh, models and action figures and props and such. And I am reminded, just by looking at this at this uh, compilation of products, I'm reminded that I actually have, and I dug him out, I have a Killer Kane action figure from the old series. So uh, that was tucked away in my Star Wars action figure uh, collector's case. Now, we mentioned a little bit in, in the notes, and I mentioned earlier, uh, a little bit of controversy around this, and, and Flint wasn't able to get into this for various reasons, but this dropped after we recorded the conversation. Uh, this over on Deadline 
Buck Rogers Estate blasts off against Legendary over George Clooney TV reboot. Company says it's cured the rights we need. Now, this is from yesterday, and you may wonder, Buck Rogers Estate, well, the Flint, you know, the John Dilly Estate has certain rights and, and such, uh, but this is not the Dilly Estate. Uh, from the article, quote, a growing dust-up over classic outer space hero Buck Rogers isn't a fight over rights, and it won't be warming up to become one if Legendary Entertainment has anything to say about it. The Buck Rogers estate, overseen by the Nellan Family Trust on Tuesday, fired off a cease-and-desist letter to Legendary about its recent announcement that it was developing a TV reboot of the popular sci-fi property, George Clooney, uh, in the briefish letter sent by email and snail mail to Michael Ross, Legendary Entertainment's EVP of Business Affairs, the estate contends that the Buck Rogers interests have already penned an agreement with David Ellison's Skydance Productions to exploit the property. So now we have um, fighting... Uh, we well we have contention let's say let's let's not let's not characterize it as a fight yet there is a disagreement a dispute over who owns what with regard to buck rogers and we're going to keep an eye on this um and uh, i did i did send a note to flint asking him about it he said if he's aware of it uh, but uh, it's really it's really preliminary in all of that uh, to really know what's going to develop out of that. Legendary says that they have uh, uh, secured all of the proper rights and permissions that they need in order to do the project that they're doing. So we'll we'll see from there. Robert, uh, I do not have the Darth Vader head uh, carrying case. I have the original. 1977, 1978 carrying case, uh, the first one that came out. After after that one, they did a reissue of that one. They did a Darth Vader head. They did a, a C-3PO head. But I have the original carrying case for the Star Wars action figures. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks very much for being here, uh, all of you in the chat. Robert, uh, Eastland, Heroenberg, Sci-Fi Snob, Mazeris. Uh, thanks for being here and sharing your thoughts and comments and questions. And if you are here not live, if you're uh, if you're watching or listening by Memorex, you can leave us a comment as well. If you're listening to this as a podcast, we do ask that you rate the show, if you will. And if you are new to the channel, we do invite you to subscribe and have your notifications turned on so that you can uh, find out, get a get a a ping anytime we put new material out. Uh, we will not have a show tomorrow. Normally, the show is on Monday through Thursday. No show tomorrow. No tartar sauce on Friday. We're rearranging the schedule there, but we will have Good Morning Multiverse Saturday morning, Foreign Bodies Saturday afternoon, and Friday night, we will have a brand new Ranker Pit at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central, talking about the latest Star Wars news, rumors, and speculation and there is a few things on that list there are a few things on that list so we will have all of that coming up uh the remainder of the week and then we will be back here on monday for more conversations live from the bunker thanks very much for being here everyone and remember there are four lights 
This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.